0: Hi, my name is Natalia and I'm at my home in the Glebe in downtown Ottawa and I'm going to read today's Bible passage for you and it is from John 20 verse 24 to 29. Okay. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe." Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, "'Peace be with you.' Then he said to Thomas, "'Put your finger here and see my hands, "'and put out your hand and place it in my side. "'Do not disbelieve, but believe.' And Thomas answered him, "'My Lord, my God.' And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed.
1: So good morning, Grace City Ottawa. We're continuing in our series uh, called Risen, looking at the appearances of the resurrected Jesus to different people. And uh, today, as we've just heard read to us, we're looking at the story of Thomas and uh, Jesus' appearance to him and what happens. And I've called this talk, Overcoming Doubt. And Thomas is kind of, uh, I don't think he gets a very good name. Maybe he's kind of the the one who always doubts, the one who's always not sure, the one who's a bit miserable. And I don't think that's fair because we, we often don't talk about doubt very much in church and it's an important subject. And I think we all go through doubts of various kinds at various times and seasons in our lives and, and Thomas is kind of famous because he didn't believe and it's kind of seen as a very negative thing which in some ways it, it is because faith pleases God but it's important that we're able to talk about these things in the context of church community and we'll see from this passage he misses the first meeting with Jesus that we looked at two Sundays ago And I often wonder if John is kind of adding this in to his gospel, because he's kind of saying, look, I understand if you find it hard to believe. We had a struggle to understand, and my friend Thomas uh, didn't believe, but finally he did, and I'm explaining how that happened. So uh, I want to just, as an introduction to this, uh, just say something about doubt and questions, and and say that they are okay. it can make our faith stronger. But I would add the caution that we'll never get every question answered. Uh, If you look at John 14, we can see Thomas has kind of got a track record with this. So uh, in in John 14, verse 2 through 5, Jesus Jesus has just talked about, in the previous chapter, the fact that actually he's going to get betrayed. And he's even talked to Peter about Peter betraying him. And then Jesus says, he kind of, he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself uh, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And you think, wow, Jesus is trying to be really encouraging them to, to, to them here. He's, he's saying, I'm, go, I'm going ahead. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas, it says in verse 5 of John 14, Thomas said to him, uh, you can imagine that the disciples at this point, Jesus is talking slightly strange. I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's many rooms. It's going to be, and you know the way. And you can imagine, I can imagine the disciples kind of looking at each other, "Um, uh, where's he going? And and kind of, you know, you've been in that situation sometimes. Where where someone says something, you think, I'm not sure what you mean. And is someone else going to say something here? Because I'm not sure, I might look a bit stupid. Uh, Verse 5, Thomas, bless him, Thomas is there. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And I suspect a number of the other disciples are going, yes, well done, Thomas. We haven't got a clue either. But Thomas is the one who asks the questions. Jesus, uh, uh, I don't know where you're going. Can you tell me? Thomas is someone I think we can see from his character. He likes to ask questions. And it's okay. He doesn't get rebuked by Jesus. But this is what he's doing. Uh, Let me just say as an intro as well, doubt often isn't a rational thing. So doubt, uh, it isn't just a sense of, oh, I need some more evidence. If I can just have some more evidence, it'll be okay and I'll believe. Because I kind of hear people say that to me. Uh, Conversations um, with atheists, people who don't believe in Jesus. If you just give me some more evidence, well, I'll think about it. And often that isn't really what's going on in the person's heart. Uh, I think doubt is often mixed. It's mixed with our emotions. It's mixed with our desires of what we want. It's mixed with fear, mixed with pain, mixed with past experience. Doubt involves lots of different parts of us uh, emotionally, and it's not just if I have a bit more evidence, it'll all be okay. I think with doubt, there's a lot going on under the surface of our emotions. So that's in terms of a way of an intro into this subject of doubt. Let me kind of answer two questions if I can today. The first is, why didn't Thomas believe? And We need to ask that question because on the surface, you can read the New Testament and think, it is a bit strange because he was taught these things. So Jesus had taught him that he was gonna die and rise again. We see it in Matthew 16, Verse 21, it says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chiefs, priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. It couldn't be clearer from Matthew 16 what Jesus has taught them. I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be killed, and on the third day I'm going to be raised. Thomas had heard Jesus teach these things. Jesus had been preparing his disciples for quite a while before Easter, before the Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago when he was crucified and raised from the dead. See, maybe Thomas was caught up with different dreams and desires. We, we don't know. So, so Thomas, it was strange because Thomas had been, he'd heard Jesus teach these things. He'd even seen things. He was there when Jesus raised his friend Lazarus from the dead and called him out of the tomb. So he'd seen Jesus raise people from the dead with his own eyes. Uh, he'd, he'd had very trustworthy people, his friends, the other disciples, telling him that this Jesus is raised from the dead and he still didn't believe he'd had it taught to him he'd seen it with his own eyes when Jesus raised Lazarus his friends were saying it to him so you think he should believe but he didn't so why didn't he believe this is my question why didn't Thomas believe and some of this is some of this I can back up some of this is my thoughts on it okay Uh, maybe firstly it didn't fit with his view of God and I think that can be like us sometimes. He, he may have thought, yes, Jesus is coming. We've got a new kingdom coming. The, the Messiah's come. Uh, there's pro- this prophet, there's great miracles. There's a king, there's a kingdom. Yes, he's bringing in the fulfillment of all the promises. That was his view of where this was going. But then he sees arrest, suffering, death, crucifixion. And now being raised from the dead, what is this? doesn't fit, it's not what he was expecting. We can be like that sometimes. I, 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 I remember, I, I, for those of you that go on um, holiday, if you've ever been on holiday before, I know this is a thing of the past at the moment, can you remember the last holiday you had? Maybe it's good to remember, maybe, maybe it does us good. Uh, but, but it, it was often times of stress. If you've, ever, if you've ever seen your parents argue before you're going on holiday, uh, you're in good company, okay, because that's what happens. And I, I used to have, once a year, we used to go away. with young children, we'd go away for a, like camping and stuff, and the amount of stuff that I'd have to fit in the car was unbelievable. Okay, and I'd have a certain way of doing it. I, I'd kind of work it out a week before, and I'd go, this bit goes here, this, this is how I'm going to fill this up. We've got all this stuff in the roof box. We've got this stuff in the trunk in the back. It's going to go in. And I remember one year I got it done, and I'm so proud. I'm, I'm ahead of time. I'm ahead of time. And, and my wife comes out with a, like a buggy, a, a kid's buggy. And, I, and it was like, oh, no. And I go, that isn't going to fit. We can't get that in. We, we, that, let's not take it. And it didn't go well. And it's like, you no. Know, she then explained to me why we needed to take the children's buggy for a one-year-old and a three-year-old when we're going on holiday. And so I ended up having to unpack virtually everything to fit this buggy in the car. It didn't fit. It was like, oh, come on. It doesn't go with my plans. I had this all worked out. I was showing my engineering skills here. I'd I'd drawn the map for where this was going. And suddenly it all falls apart and I have to go back and start again. Oh, no, that's coming in. Maybe Thomas was like that, you know. Christianity can be like that. The story of the Bible can be like that. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with what we want. The way to see Easter is that it gives life and meaning to the whole world, not the other way around. If you try and fit it into the world, it doesn't fit. The world has to fit into the story of Easter, and it makes sense. Not the other way around. We go, "Oh, and well, it doesn't quite, no, it won't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It goes against a lot of what we think and expect. I go, God, who comes and dies? It doesn't make sense. See, I think we tend to believe what we want to believe. That's, That's kind of built into us. I believe what I want to believe. And you say, no, I believe in evidence. But really... So often, we don't just believe in evidence. We, 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 These desires, fear, pain, our past all crowd in as well. There's a famous atheist who writes in America called Thomas Nagel. And uh, he says this, I think this is interesting. He said, I want atheism to be true. I want it to be true. Not I believe it to be true, I, I want it to be true. He says, it isn't, it isn't just that I don't believe in God, it's that I hope there is no God. I hope there isn't a God. Well, that's quite strong. He goes on to say, I don't believe in God because I don't want the universe to be like that. I don't want it to be like that. And doubt can often rise up in us because we, we, we have a certain idea of God and it doesn't turn out like that. And we do one of two things either we submit to the God that's revealed to us in Scripture or we start to make a God of our own imagination and our own preferences and our own likes. It's what we do. And if we do do that, if we make a God of our own preferences and he doesn't turn out like that and he lets us down, doubt starts to rise. My experience of my life is if I'll submit myself to what scripture says about God, not what I'd like him to be like, faith builds it's like I understand things it's like oh okay I don't feel disappointed and let down by God because I understand what the Bible says about him it's not all going to go right it's not all going to go well it's not all going to work out it's not all going to be easy it's not that I'm going to pray like a slot machine it's like this God slot machine I put my I put my dollar in I put my prayer in I pull the handle and God answers It's a God of our own preferences. The Bible doesn't talk about God like that. So Thomas, I believe, he didn't believe, uh, maybe he didn't believe because uh, it didn't fit his view of God. I need to move on. Secondly, very quickly, why didn't he believe? Maybe he had some disappointment in his life. It's interesting, verse 24 of this passage it says that Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. What do they mean? Well, two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus appearing in the room to the disciples. It turns out, and, he, and he, when he comes in and says, peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. It turns out from this passage, we understand now that Thomas wasn't there. He's not with them when Jesus came. They've met again. They've gathered on the following Sunday. This is what this seems to be saying. Probably in the same place. Everyone else was there maybe when Jesus appeared. Thomas wasn't. That can be very, very annoying. That can cause disappointment in the heart. It's like, oh no, I've missed them. The others are there. I'm not. Everyone else is there. I've missed out again. What about us? Everyone else's prayers seem to get answered. Mine don't. I've heard this amazing testimony. Oh, it's great. Yeah, they, they were tested how, how God has answered their prayers. Oh, it's, yeah, it's great. But inside of me, I'm thinking, that doesn't seem to happen for me. It can creep into us. It can cause doubt to start to rise. I've prayed. Trust me, I've prayed about some things in the last few years. And God hasn't seemed to answer in the way I thought he would can creep up on us like unanswered prayer or God seems to choose other people I seem to get overlooked can be at work it can even be in church can be amongst friendships it's like God I seem to get left out disappointment can rise and that causes doubt to come so why didn't he believe well maybe it didn't fit his view of God maybe he had some disappointment in his life maybe it was just the way he was. He's, he's, he's slightly melancholic in character. Often, we don't often talk about this. I, th- I think it probably he was from what I can see, from the limited things we can see about Thomas. He's the guy that's kind of always asking the questions. Are you sure? Are you sure? We get another example in John uh, chapter 11. And uh, this, is the, this is John 11. This is the chapter where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But before he goes to Lazarus, Before he goes to the tomb, they're having an interaction. There's an interaction between Jesus and the disciples. Jesus gets news that his friend Lazarus is sick. He says, I'm going to wait two days. It's all going to be okay. And then they start talking about going up to Judea. Jesus says, maybe we'll go. And he says, the disciples go, well, hang on a minute. Last time you went to Judea, they stoned you. They tried to stone you. They tried to stone you. We're not, let's not go up there. And then Jesus talks a bit more. And then he, and, and then he, says, in, uh, he says in verse 11 to them, Look, Lazarus has now fallen asleep. The disciples misunderstand him. Verse 12, disciples go, well, if he's asleep, he's going to get better then. <laughs> and in verse 14, it says then, this is John 11, verse 14, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. Strange thing for Jesus to say. But let us go to him. So let us go up to Judea, where the disciples were saying a little bit earlier, uh, they tried to stone you up there, Jesus. And I you want to go there? Jesus saying, No, no. We'll go up there because uh, 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 Lazarus. I need to go to Lazarus. So Thomas says in verse uh, 16, John 11:16. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples. Oh, let us also go that we may die with him. That's Thomas's reaction. Oh, well, okay. Well, okay, okay, fellow disciples, let's go with Jesus then so that we can all die and not just Jesus get stoned. That's Thomas' reaction. He's not the sort of person who's going to cheer you up. Oh, okay then, we have got to go to Judea. Okay, I don't really know what's going on, but hey, let's all join in so we can die together. Maybe he's slightly melancholic. Some of us are like that. It's okay. Some of us are very extrovert. Some of us are introvert. And that includes melancholy. It's just part of our nature, it's part of who we are. Often we think about things a lot, we dwell on things. We're not super positive extrovert people, and that's okay. It's kind of the way God made us. And the church community needs extroverts, introverts, the melancholic, the thinkers. It's okay. It's okay to be like that. Maybe that's what he was like. Maybe that's just your character. And it's not bad, but it can make you doubt when others believe. It's my experience of life. I've seen it. It can make you doubt when others believe it's just kind of who you are and you just need a bit more convincing. You need to think things through a bit more. And that's okay. Don't beat yourself up about that. It's just the way that God's made you. But just be aware of it. So maybe Thomas didn't believe because of his character. He's just slightly melancholic. He just has to think things through more than other people. Maybe you've had a bad experience with church or other Christians and that makes you doubt. You've seen some things. You think, oh. Is this real? Is this really what it's supposed to be like? Doesn't seem to add up. I kind of believe scripture. I kind of, uh, my experience is something different. Can make you doubt. I wanna say we're, church is full of very flawed people who are doing their best under the power of the Holy Spirit. And we all make mistakes we're all battling through we're all being conformed into the image of Christ through our whole lives those are some of the reasons maybe that I think Thomas didn't believe and so we come to verse 26 the disciples are together Uh, it's one week later I think they're probably in the same room as when Jesus appeared on Easter Sunday a week Sunday before And they're probably hoping Jesus is going to appear again. Maybe they're in there with Thomas this time. Come on, Thomas, let's be in the same room. The same time, a week later, you be with us. Let's see what happens. I wonder. I do wonder whether that's what's happening here. So my second question I'm going to answer as I finish is, how does Jesus persuade him? Jesus knows all about Thomas. Verse 27 Jesus, he then said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. In verse 28, Thomas answers him, my Lord and my God. This is dramatic. My Lord and my God, my Lord, the the Greek word is kyrios, my owner, my master, I submit to you. And my God, the word Theos, the creator and the sustainer of all things. I worship and praise you. That's kind of what's going on here. My master, my God. It's interesting that the one who doubts, the one who comes into this meeting doubting, is the first one that I can see, the first person recorded in scripture who refers to Jesus as God. It's revelation. And this is the thing, there's a, painting by uh italian artist called caravaggio and he paints a lot of very brilliant scenes of new testament life and he's painted this uh, encounter with thomas and jesus in a, in a graphic way but he, and he shows thomas kind of with his fingers in the side of jesus in the wound but i have to say the passage and most commentators on this commentators would say and i agree with them is that I think the inference, the clear inference from this passage, that actually Thomas doesn't have to touch Jesus, and probably doesn't. He just gets revelation. He doesn't have to put... He just It's just recorded that he says, my Lord and my God. Jesus offers him the opportunity, but he doesn't need to take it. I think that's what it's like. If we come face to face with God... That our questions fall away that's what happens in scripture you see it throughout the bible people come with their questions people come with their kind of lists of things it's like you see god it doesn't matter anymore it's like i've met god oh my heart is different than i thought <laughs> meeting my creator if you really meet god i i suspect your list my list my questions are all going to be a little bit pointless There's a day coming when that will happen, when I will be with Jesus, be with him forever and see him face to face. And I suspect my questions will become a little pointless. You see, I think Jesus knew all about Thomas's doubt. We know he would have done. He says, touch me. He knows what's going on in Thomas's heart. He knows that's enough for Thomas. See, God knows all about you. He he, he can be anywhere. Bible says that. He knows our hurts, our struggles, our pain. Look at Psalm 139. He's the God who knows our thoughts from afar. He knows when we rise up. He knows when we lie down. He knows a word before it's even on our tongue and out of our mouth. He knows everything. He knew you. He knew me. He knew us before I was even formed. He saw me when I was being formed in my mother's womb. God's got plans over my life knows all about me. This is, I think, the revelation is what persuades Thomas. God, the mercy of God. His personal interaction with the Lord Jesus. You see, Jesus also shows him he's wounded. I wonder if that persuades Thomas. Verse 27, touch my side, Jesus. You see, Thomas sees a wounded God. This is profound. This is too much for me to properly get across to you. Jesus Christ, who's fully God, gets wounded for us. Pain through experience. We sing a song, I, we, we a hymn, I, it's a famous hymn. I, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? can it be how can it be that god the sustainer and creator of the whole universe the eternal one comes and dies for me wounded shows wounds in his side see this is the god that thomas turns to he's wounded for my sins Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was pierced. This is Jesus. This is written hundreds of years before Jesus walks the earth. It's written about him, a prophetic utterance about Jesus. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And with his wounds, we are healed. Healed. finishes with verse 29 which often gets missed off this story Jesus says at the very end he said it's good it's good Thomas that you've believed but you've seen me it's good that you've seen me and believed it's good no rebuke it's it's encouraging him but then he says this he says blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed who's he talking about well I'm sure he's talking about people who would have been around at the time who hadn't actually seen him I suspect thousands believed and Jesus only appeared to a few hundred. Do you know what? I think he's talking to me and to you. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's my story. I haven't physically seen Jesus, but I have believed. Surely that's your story today. If you're watching this, you've believed in Jesus, who he is what the Bible says about him. Blessed is favoured. It's favoured. Favoured are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You're highly favoured. It's okay to have your doubt. It's okay to come with your doubt. But you'll never get all your questions answered. I encourage you today, keep asking questions, but don't let it crush you. Don't let it overcome you. Talk about it with someone. Get it worked out. See, we come to a God who's saying, believe in me. You haven't seen me, believe in me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's continue to worship this Jesus who was pierced, wounded for our sins, but who was raised from the dead, who is alive today and who is head over the church and who one day will see face to face and be with him forever. Let's worship him together.